So I haven't decided where we should be investing money to actually get, uh, get some return on investment. The next question we move on to really is, is how do you achieve that? Should we be buying in software? Should law firms be buying in uh, packaged software from vendors? Or should they be building these things in-house? Mark, what are your thoughts? Um, it's, it's an interesting one because the vast majority of that would be buy. Okay, I'm going to slightly move away from that with a build, but it's quite specific. And the reason I say buy is that why would you bother building something these days? One, it's it's costly to build something, um, and you and it's like everything else. You build it once, um, and you you have to learn what you want to do. So you're not necessarily the experts in that. You have to bring in resources who are experts in building things which often means contractors, which is quite expensive. And you will only know what you know, and it sounds obvious, but you won't have best practice knowledge. You won't have the, the, what the suppliers can offer you. And it won't give you the opportunity to change as well. But not only that, once you've built it, you then got to maintain and support it and sustain it. And that's where the real cost comes in, and the real headache comes in. And especially if you're talking about um, features or functions or applications that have any legal element. Anything that has to be um, to keep up with legislation, payroll, for example, but anything in the finance area, it takes an awful lot of investment year on year to sustain that, to keep it updated, much more than if you were uh, to buy. The, the, the thing we can come back to, if you want, is more on the front of, front of house for the lawyers and using uh, bots, uh, as they're called, which I always think is funny, and apps, and those two type of um, opportunities. That's really where the immediacy and having that innovation function in-house can drive uh, a very quick return and a very immediate piecemeal solutioning, which can be beneficial to build it yourself. But you can always partner as well. Yeah, and, and we can return to that point. On, on the idea of, of, of maintaining any solution that you build, I think that's, that's one of the real challenges, and you know, I've been managing technologists for 30, 35 years now, and the sort of person that you want to build you a new piece of software is definitely not the sort of person you want to then be maintaining that for the next five to ten years. Absolutely, and they are probably the same. They, they don't want to be maintaining it. They want to move on to the next exciting thing. Exactly, and, and this is something that you've come across over many years. Oh, absolutely, Alex. yeah. Look, I, I've been in the legal sector since the mid-90s, and you know, I started off as a development manager I managed a team of 25 developers. We, there was nothing we did not develop, from time recording solutions to desktop billing solutions to the docket management to the records management. Un, unheard of now, I, I hope. I think it is un, unheard of now. Um, because for a number of reasons. Uh, the big reason, I think, is the technology is, has caught, caught up. Yeah? Technology and commoditization of technology is easier than it was. The products didn't exist in the mid-90s that, that lawyers wanted. I think they do exist now. Um, but going back to something we were talking about in the previous session, uh, the worst case, the worst thing we can do is buy, buy software and pretend we've bought a development platform and start to build it and start to customise it. And I think that's where people get into terrible issues. Um, so that's actually the worst of both, both worlds. It's absolutely. Because you, you've bought, you, you bought a, a platform of technology, but then you've still got to maintain your own customisation. Absolutely, yeah. And you can't not, you can't have no customisation. But actually, I have a slide that I, one of my favourite slides that I show to my, I work through with my clients when we're going through this selection phase is we are selecting a product. We are not 
go into select a product and move into a blue sky development process. Um, and it sounds so obvious, but actually, so many firms start to start to start to do that. And that, that really talks to how law firms, following on from other industries, should adopt the principle that they shouldn't they should buy, but then they should either form or get themselves involved in forums. So supplier forums, because you should be influencing the direction of products. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So that and and therefore. And the bigger you are, the more influence you can have, obviously, uh, and the direction and what you need them to do rather than do it yourself. So, and, and, and suppliers want that as well. Right. I mean, suppliers go out of their way to set up their client forums, their user forums. And unfortunately, a lot of law firms don't attend, don't want to attend, don't find the time to attend. Um, or those that do attend aren't empowered enough to do anything about it once they leave the room or leave the virtual room now. And yeah, that the world, as Alex said, has changed. I mean, from the, from the 80s and 90s when... Um, in the retail sector, which I'm obviously quite knowledgeable about, there, there, there weren't continuous replenishment, continuous replenishment systems, if I can say that. Um, they didn't exist, so you had to build it. There, there weren't um, sort of like data farms or usually Teradata from NCR. They didn't exist, you had to build them. Now, I'm not saying they're two a penny, but you can go and pick them off the shelf yeah. and they've evolved from those learnings. The law firms don't have that problem in the, the vast, vast majority of the functionality they need exists in a an established um, efficient um, best practice solution package and it's about spending the time making sure you buy the one that's most appropriate to you you put in place the the uh, people element the, the way of working the operational efficiency to make the best of that and actually to repeat that you get involved in the form so you influence the direction that product's going in you shouldn't Except for the exceptions I mentioned before about bots and applications, you shouldn't even be contemplating building. No. And, and on that on that form thing, yeah, that, that's something that, as a vendor, I've been involved in for many years, and we've found it incredibly valuable in driving our software roadmap. That's that's what you want mm -hmm. is is to understand from your customers you know, what it is that they're they're finding challenges with. Yeah, I think one of the one of the issues that I've heard a lot is from some law firms is why should we invest our time to help our suppliers? Why should we give our IP away? You've really got the wrong end of the stick. Yeah. You're influencing yeah. the direction, so you benefit without having to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Or why should we be exposing what we want to to our competitors, our, our yeah. other yeah. other law firms? Which is strange. And most, and most of what we're talking about aren't, aren't unique. Um, they're not sort of like your um, um, sort of like they're not your differentiator you know, from other firms. This, you know, the, the law is the uh, differentiator, not the back office solution, yeah. not even the CRM solution, not even the CMI solution. They're enablers. It's having yeah. that right mindset. Absolutely. So I think, I think we're all agreed, aren't we? You know, we're going to, yeah, if, if, if we can, there is a preference to, to buy software. But that doesn't mean there isn't a need for technical development teams because, of course, there's the, there's the architecture underneath and there's the, there's the data underneath. So actually where, where I'm seeing technical developers yeah. really being deployed at the moment within law firms is in the integration space. You know, integration technology has moved on from, from my day, dare I say, when I wrote SQL store procedures to move data from, from database A to database B. Um, there's amazingly efficient, cheap technology that they're using in integration, and so much more of our development teams are actually, you know, we, we buy product X, yes, we have to configure it to an extent, but actually their job is to ensure that uh, we have consistent, 
harmonized data flows between the between those um, app application suites. And this, and this is one of the benefits of, of cloud technology because cloud-based applications almost by default have to be open. They, they have to have That's APIs. Right. They're generally designed to address a limited um, sort of point solution, a, a limited area functionality. And, and the whole benefit of them in that scenario then is, is to connect together. And that integration piece, it is becoming much easier. But as you say, people still need to do that. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And to build on what Alex said, I mean, this whole idea of of, it's all about the data, and it's all about access, accessing accessing that data, but it's about having the right tools to do that, having the BI, business intelligence tools, so that it's, and then what you do with data to turn it into information to inform decisions, that's where the investment needs to go. And I think as well on the, on the for the lawyers, there's, um, there's tools that enable them to do um, uh, sort of like knowledge management sharing through bots, mm -hmm through document management, there's, there's lots of things that enable a lawyer out in the field with, the part, with their clients quickly, remotely, through phones or whatever, to actually um, use this information that's accessible, use the law in a more efficient and effective way, that move away from the bigger systems, the bigger solutions. Um, and I think those will, as innovation functions in law firms, which you know every big law firm has an innovation arm, look at what they can offer their clients, what extra value, that's, that's where I think that there is a, a build mentality, but it's a quick to market build mentality, yeah. it's, a, it's an MVP, a minimum value product type of mentality, it's getting something out there with low risk quickly. And, and as you say, that's, that's where there's an opportunity for competitive advantage, yes. it's not just a me too. Because if you're into that, me too, then somebody's already done it. Uh, quite. And you've got, with this modern world, you've got to be able to react. You, if you've had the idea, then probably you want to deliver it tomorrow. You, you don't have the three, four year, like a practice management system. It's got to be out there quickly, which means you need these young, very clever uh, apps developers who can, you know, in their bedrooms at 16, writing these things. They're the people who can do it very quickly for you. And that's, yeah. You've got to be open to that. And I think reports development is the other aspect. If, mm -hmm. if we're talking about buy versus build, the, yep. where there is a build requirement still, I think, is in the custom mm -hmm. reports. You know, we're not going to get away from, from that. You know, because there are some, a lot of, there are products out there that obviously provide fantastic uh, business intelligence layers, but there's still always that specific requirement, isn't there, for, yeah, and for, for reporting? There's, uh, there's an interesting and again, idea. And, sorry, yeah. and again, technology has actually given people those, those, those tools now. We're not writing... SQL scripts, SSRS, we've got fantastic products that once we know how, how to use them, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've got the, the power BIs of this world, um, the power apps of this world that we can actually do an awful lot with. Yeah, exactly, and, and, and Power BI is a great tool. It, it's a power tool, and it enables people to, yeah, to, to do those sort of one-off, that, that ad hoc reporting, which is central to, to any business, you know, dealing with those, those what-if scenarios, those one-off questions, which is different to, you know, line of business day-to-day -day reporting, which, which can be simplified in, in, in lots of other ways as well. One thing we didn't discuss uh, previously when we were talking about practice management systems with regard to the build, one of the things I'd like to see, and I, I talked about uh, sort of using cloud technology and having like outsourced or remote um, people providing services, is the, the reusability of practice management systems. I mean, we've, both Alex and I, and I'm sure you have, been involved with end-of-life solutioning, which 
for me, I mean, a lot of, uh, no matter what the sector, but especially law, people are going, why, why, we have, why can't it last longer? Why do we have to replace it? Why do we have to turn it on? And, you know, people say, oh, it's new technology, new this, new functionality. It's a, it's a very difficult one to sell that idea, you know, when, you know, how long a piece of software lasts. Does it still do the same? You know, the other one did an invoice, this one does an invoice. Well, what's the difference? Well, it does it quicker. There's a there's a shift obviously in the software industry these days though that is sort of addressing that which is the, the software as a service yep. SaaS so the, one of the one of the key things I like to talk to our customers and potential customers about is is the benefit of investing in a SaaS company where you are you you're investing essentially in in the longevity of that that software because you're not buying a piece of software up front yeah. and and the vendor's incentive isn't to end of life that so that you'll buy another product from them the vendor's incentive is to keep improving the product so you will keep paying for it paying month after month year after year so yeah. that subscription model you know which is something that law firms obviously are interested in themselves as well yeah. it has a great it has a great benefit as as the supplier in terms of your business planning, your business model, but it also has a really great benefit for the customer because what what they're buying into is is an organisation that has to keep you on board in order to keep keep maintaining that revenue. And I totally agree with that model. I just think it comes back to something we talked about before: education of of partnership mm-hmm. in terms of the value, rather than seeing it as because there's still um, a lot of law firm partners on a line of sight of something. They want to keep the data in-house. Everything has to be in-house because they don't believe that anybody else can secure it or understands it as well as they do. And it's that mentality that actually having it offshore, having it as, as a software as a service, having that delivery element where somebody holds it on the side of the world, it's more secure, it's more accessible, it uh, gives you greater opportunities to do something with it and to inform decision-making than doing it in-house and maintaining that. And it's that education, it's that de-risking it. Probably. Yeah, and it's, it is also the, going back to another point we've made about the, the change agenda. I think a, a nervousness that some, some firms still feel about software as a service is they are going to have an upgrade imposed on them yeah. at a regular interval every quarter, every six yeah. months. And yeah. they have to maintain, is it a small team, is it a big team? But they have to understand what that, what that change is. You know? And particularly if they've come off the back of a, a long... Uh, large, difficult, costly implementation. Let's go back to practice management systems. The temptation often is everyone takes a very deep sigh of relief and says, "Right, it works. We're not going to touch it. We're not. Gonna, I don't want to touch that thing for the next eight, eighteen months." And uh, of course, if you're in a software as a service world, your suppliers putting something up on their on their pre- preview platform and says, "There it is. In six weeks' time, in four weeks' time, that's going into your production environment. Yeah. What what are you going to do about it?" Yeah. And I, and I said. It's not it's, software service isn't isn't it's, it's it's inevitable, but it isn't the nirvana. But and there are some call them downsides or call them implications, I guess, of uh, of of that. But it, 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 it software as a service, everyone who has a laptop or a computer at home is using software as a service. They just yeah. don't think of it like that. That's right. I mean, yeah. mo- you know, we all most of us sure have Microsoft Office. It doesn't reside on your laptop. It, Designs remotely, you know, all the data is held remotely. You know, the internet is is a primary principle of the whole concept. People are so used to it because they don't think of it in the. It's not sort of IT words. It's oh, it's just accessible. I mean, I, it took me a while to explain to my wife some years ago. 
that the email that she deleted, you know, she said, well, it's existing on my phone. How can it be on my laptop and on my phone? And I said, well, it's on neither. It's somewhere else. It's on a server. What's a server? What are you on about? You know, it's like a filing cabinet in remote countries and stuff. So it's, it's that mentality of thinking, looking at things in a different way. And I think, you know, as to my point earlier, lawyers are very clever people about the law. But this is about accepting, as Alex said earlier, that other people are professional in, their, in what they know and to listen to them. Absolutely. Yeah.